2: Hello and welcome to episode number 482 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. As I have been teasing in recent episodes, this is part two of our crossover episode with the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. Amanda and I connected with Jeff and Will and answered listener questions from our own Patreon communities. The Big Gay Fiction Podcast released part one on Thursday, the 4th of November. In this episode, we are going to talk about the first male-male romances we ever read. And we have book recommendations, food discussions, and some thoughtful conversations about genre and community. I will have links to part one in the show notes and all of the books that we talk about will be in the show notes as well. Never fear. Hello and thank you to our Patreon community for making this episode and every episode accessible to everyone. I have a compliment to Rebecca W. 14 dogs just started wagging their tails at the thought of you and how much you make those around you feel so happy. If you would like a compliment of your very own or would like to support the show at any amount, have a look at patreon.com slash smartpitches. This podcast is brought to you in part by FrameBridge. Framebridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever leaving the house. From art prints and posters to the photos sitting on your phone, you can framebridge just about anything. And this holiday season, Framebridge is the perfect way to give a gift they'll really want to receive. Give people something special that only you could give. Just go to Framebridge.com and upload your photo, or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. Preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and wall layouts. The experts at Framebridge will cut. Custom frame your item and deliver all the finished pieces straight to you or anyone else on your list. A handcrafted personalized gift from FrameBridge starts at just $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, my listeners will get 15% off their first order at FrameBridge.com when you use my code, Sarah. Now, because FrameBridge can frame objects like cross stitches, I am planning to send in two completed projects, one for me and one a surprise that I made for a friend, and I cannot wait to give it to them. You can get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code Sarah to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com, promo code SARA, framebridge.com, promo code Sarah. This episode is brought to you in part by Native. It is holiday time, and among my very favorite things is making sure the house smells great with whatever I am cooking. And speaking of smells, I have to tell you about Native's awesome new holiday-inspired scented products. Native's mission is to overhaul your entire hygiene routine by creating products that are made with simple ingredients like shea butter and coconut oil so you can smell great all day long. With classics and rotating seasonals, Native has a scent for everyone. Try their holiday-scented deodorant body wash or toothpaste in scents like candy cane, sugar cookie, and fresh mistletoe for 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 a limited time, giving the gift of self-care is easy with Native. Build yourself or a loved one's personalized product bundles by mixing and matching three of your favorite holiday scents into a set. I really love the sugar cookie scent, especially the body wash. It doesn't make my skin feel dry and the scent lingers just the right amount. Stay merry, happy, and fresh this holiday season. You will love Native's limited-time seasonal products as much as I do. Go to NativeDeodorant.com and use code TRASHYBOOKS to get 20% off your first purchase at checkout. That's NativeDeodorant.com, code TRASHYBOOKS for 20% off nativedeodorant.com code TRASHYBOOKS. This podcast is brought to you in part by Headspace. If you're like me, your thoughts can be confusing enough, but meditation doesn't have to be. Headspace is your convenient dose of meditation, mindfulness, and sleep exercises to relieve stress and anxiety and help you get a good night's sleep all in one app, making it easy to catch your breath and make time for your mental health. And it's one of the most science-backed meditation apps in the world- proving that meditation works. A study proved that in just two weeks, Headspace can reduce your stress by 14%. Now, I was skeptical, and I wasn't sure if it would work for me, but Headspace is a great addition to my day,
3: and I have a free sample for you. Are you ready? You want to take a little break? All right, here we go. So sitting comfortably, just taking a big, deep breath, in through the nose and out through the mouth. As you breathe in, noticing how the body expands, And as you breathe out, just watching the body soften as you gently close the eye. And rather than the mind leading the breath, allow the breath to lead the mind. Notice the sensation of the breath. Notice where you feel it in the body. If you need to, you can just gently place your hand on the stomach. And just following that rising and falling sensation. Nothing else to do, allowing thoughts to come and go. And then when you're ready, just gently opening the eyes again. Well, that was lovely. Find some Headspace at headspace.com Sarah and get one month
2: free of their entire meditation library. This is the best Headspace offer available so go to headspace.com slash Sarah today. Headspace.com slash Sarah. This podcast is brought to you in part by Prose. Now, most of you have heard me talking about learning to take better care of my hair in the quarantine, and you may have heard me talking about Prose, the world's most personalized hair care. First, there's a quiz, an in-depth hair quiz. Prose has given over one million consultations, and my results created a custom blend that has made my hair softer my surprising amount of curls more defined, and because I get to choose my own scent, it smells incredible too. Pros also has a review and refine feature that lets me tweak the formula for any reason, like change of hair color. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty-free. And if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've ever had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. Prose is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash trashy That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash trashy for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. All right, let's get started with this extremely fun conversation with me and Amanda and Jeff and Will from the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. to go to Rhonda's question because it kind of fits with what amanda was talking about what were your first mm romance reads Mm -hmm. okay do you want to go first amanda
1: yeah i remember mine because i picked it up uh based on a review on the site uh from elise and i believe it was knit tight by annabeth albert um from the portland heat series And it sounded, she made it sound so, because Elise is a knitter, so anything with knitting in it, she's all about. And it sounded so cozy and adorable. And I believe it's like knitting, and there's a barista, and there's a cute like book club. And I just remember being totally charmed by it. And then I remember reading a few other books in the series, but I believe Knit Tight was my first that I read.
4: And a good author to start with, too.
1: Yeah, I read. I think was it conventionally yours? That was yeah, very so cute. Good. Yeah, super cute. So Get I really sequel. like. Oh, there's just I didn't know there was a sequel. Okay, first Google of the show is happening yep, now. Sorry. Yeah, I'm adding <laughs> it to my Goodreads right now. Don't mind me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, the sequel's so good. Picks up okay. people you you met in the first one and goes off in some other cool directions. It was. In some ways, I like the second even better than the first, which was crazy because I loved conventional ears so hard.
1: Adding it right
2: now. Jeff and Will, what about you?
4: I wasn't keeping good track of my books back in the day, <laughs> but I have a couple of areas that I know were among the first, at least. One is called Power Play by J.M. Schneider.
0: Oh, and yeah. it's,
4: uh, it's a hockey player and a speed skater.
2: Well, that's just right up your street, isn't it? Isn't it, though? Yeah.
4: <laughs> and it's a new adult story. And the hockey player has been injured, injured really badly. Uh, might not be get you know, might not be playing again. Um, he's got a hobby as a photographer, and the speed skater needs to have pictures and this stuff. So he's shooting at the rink, and these two start kind of talking, getting to know each other, and uh, this romance kind of blooms. And the the hockey player figures out how not to be just down in the dumps all the time because of this injury. So legit down in the dumps. You know, but they they find ways to help each other and heal each other and essentially navigate, you know, first relationships and stuff. It's so sweet. Uh, is really the book that kind of nudged me into writing and writing about hockey, too, is that book. And then right around the same time, Z.A. Maxfield's um, St. Nacho series, and in particular the first book, St. Nacho's, it's such, St. Nachos is a magical place. It's not a paranormal series at all, but the place itself just has this healing power. It tends to draw people to it, kind of shows up when you need it sort of thing. But this first book about this violinist who's just on the run from his past, finding this place and then finding the guy who is his, who's willing to kind of wait for him to work his, his baggage out, so sweet. Uh, and really one of those first books that you could kind of trace back to it of a, of a essentially nice guys doing nice things um, in the long run. I mean, the one guy had a lot of baggage to get through, but nice guys doing nice things at its core. Uh, yeah, those two definitely among my first.
5: I came out in 1991 and I was reading some classic gay fiction around that time. You know, Patricia Nell Warren and Gordon Merrick and, of course, uh, everything Armistead Maupin. And it was really, uh, it took a few more years until I really discovered MM gay romance. Uh, And like Jeff, I wasn't keeping particularly good track of what I was reading around that time. But I believe one of the very first gay romances, as we know them now, uh, one of the first that I read was called Bareback by Chris Owen. Um, That's a title. Sort of a a cowboy (laughs) coming out story. Um, It was incredibly popular at the time and I think I saw it recommended to me on Amazon and I ordered the paperback because at the time I did not have a Kindle or an e-reader and of course I had a flip phone so I couldn't (laughs) read it on an app. I had to have a paperback. So uh, that was one of the, the first that I remember reading.
4: Oh, yeah. Chris Owen, Bareback, 911. Those were in some of my first, too.
5: <laughs> They're really good.
4: I have to tell you, when I met Chris at a, at a GRL, I was like doing one of my first events of that GRL. And then I looked up from what I was signing. And I as I look up, I see her badge. I about freaked out. Because <laughs> here is Chris Owen standing at my table. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> I've had that experience. Yeah. Even just meeting somebody like... Oh my god! you've given my brain so many hours of entertainment and I love your books and I'm not cool right now. Coolness has taken a great
4: departure. (laughs) No. Please excuse this fanboy moment.
2: Yeah, my inner inner 13-year-old is now driving. Sorry. She's in charge. (laughs) I think the, if not one of the first, if not the first, then one of the first that I read was that I remember is Strawberries for Dessert by Marie Sexton. Mm-hmm. That book came out in 2010. It's a food book. There's like a theme or something. <laughs> the thing about the 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 two main characters is that they have an absolutely dreadful first date, like absolutely horrible. Um, the 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 sort of, I guess they're both. I mean, it's really mostly from Jonathan's perspective. A lot of the stuff that's worked through in the book is his. Um, and he goes on a blind date with this guy named Cole. And he just, he won't put his phone down. He's constantly checking in with work. He And Cole's like, listen, when you're ready to actually be on a date and pay attention, let me know. And he just leaves. Like he, it's a really bad first date. Um, And they're very different, extremely different. So they have a lot of stuff to work out. But the thing that really stuck with me, and this is a bit of a spoiler, is towards the end of the book, uh, Cole makes dinner for Jonathan and his father. And Jonathan's mother had passed away. And Cole makes some of her food some of her recipes. And neither Jonathan nor his dad were very good cooks. And so Cole has brought his mom and this man's widow back to him through dinner and completely changes the tenor of the gathering because it's a little tense and Jonathan's father not entirely on board with his son being gay. And here is a dude who is his date in the house. What the hell? And the, the, Cole brings his late wife's food to the table and he gets to eat these things that he hasn't had in forever. And that scene has stuck with me since I read the book more than 10 years ago. That's one of my favorite scenes from a
4: book. That is amazing. And that that's one of the great things about food in romances.
2: Yes, it's so is true. There's such
4: an opportunity. Forget what the food is necessarily, but it brings people together, whether you're cooking it together or you're Having a special meal like that or sharing a food that's important to you for some reason. Yep. So many good things happen when people have food in romance books.
2: (laughs) Yep. Because food is very intimate. You know, if you think it's a love language too. It's a love language. It's a way that you nourish and fuel your body that allows you to continue to exist. Like it's a way to care for yourself and other people. And the sense memories and the emotional memories that are tied to the serving and eating of food is, is a lot of, 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 opportunity to mine that for that sort of emotional intimacy we were talking about earlier
1: and like the universal like sarah has this theory which i'm fully on board with that every culture has a dish that is essentially a a fried container a fried object with a filling yeah you take a food
2: you put the food in another food and then you cook the food, and that is the universal expression of human love in just about every culture <laughs> that has a food. Yep, whether it's pierogies or dim sum, empanadas, empanadas, or colaches, or I mean, whatever.
4: Just anything in a fried dough, and it's good,
2: right? Yeah. Take a food, okay. put it in a dough, cook it, and that is—I mean, it, it is the universal expression of human love in all cultures, and I stand by that.
4: Yep, <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. Awesome. Yeah, we got good questions from your patrons my patrons
2: my patrons just they just they
4: just brought and since (laughs) we're doing recommendations yes you have soul who's looking for mm fantasy romance and contemporary romance they say i love red white and uh, red white and royal blue and boyfriend material but they but feel they are too mainstream okay they are mainstream yes but they're fabulous (laughs) yes
2: they are good books that is true
4: yeah, I, I adored both of those books. And I adored Casey McQuiston's uh recent book. Um Last Stop. Yes, Last Stop. That was I such,
1: got to so interview tremendous. her and she was a delight. And she ended our interview with, Hey, do you wanna see my dog Pepper? And she like, brings her dog, Pepper, into like the Zoom call. And I was like, of course I want to see your dog, Pepper. What
2: kind of a question is that? All interviews should end with, can I see your dog?
1: Yeah. Right? It was so great. But I loved uh, One Last Stop. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, so innovative. Music.
4: And really yeah, yeah. kind of rode that line of contemporary and fantasy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I know. Like It was such a departure from the debut. Um, but I thought it was fantastic.
4: Yeah, yeah. And speaking of departures, I have to talk about this. It's not an MM. And uh, and Sarah, you had uh, Reiki Okai on your show for um, oh uh, Light gosh. from Uncommon Stars. What an unexpected book.
2: Oh my gosh, that book.
4: I mean, I've never had, I said this in my review, it's like- I listened to I've that review. I've never seen it was good. such a thing of- we have a starship captain running a donut shop, and yep. somebody collecting souls. Yep. And yet, it's presented in a way like it's just another day in SoCal. <laughs> like, oh yeah. yeah, that just happens here. This is not sci-fi at all.
2: That's just how it is in Southern California. Aliens running the donut shop, demons collecting souls for violin prodigies. <laughs> I mean, that's just another day.
4: Yeah. <sighs> oh, I just loved it. But yeah, that's not that's not MM, but it is a good fantasy romance. It's for sure. super queer. Yeah. Heckin super clear.
2: queer. And it's also one of the things that I love about, um, light from uncommon stars is that it is very much about found family, but also deliberately seeking out the people who resonate with you. And mm-hmm. by the time all of the characters are in each other's orbit, so to speak, I was like, I just want to listen to you guys just talk to each other. Go do things.
4: Go, go. Right? go I was happy to soon. have that story continue on. Yeah. And just let me hear what's happening.
2: And I remember during my interview with, um, with Rika, uh, she was talking about um all of the scenes in the donut shop are like a comedy, right? Like they uh, when you're in the donut shop in the book, it's like a sitcom break. Like we've got really heavy, heavy, painful stuff, but it's donut time. And mm-hmm. she did that on purpose. <laughs> she was she's like, Yeah, I did that on purpose. That's like the Brady Bunch. That's the comedic moment. Those are my favorite scenes. But basically, stick any story in a donut shop and I am I
4: am there. Let's do it. <laughs> it's all about food. Comes back to food. Anyway. So. Actual recommendations. Who wants I to go some. first?
2: All right. Here's my list. Mm-hmm. Um, MM Fantasy and Contemporary. Okay. Let's
1: first see. of all. I'm, I, I also have a list, so I might have to cross some off. All right. I won't read my whole list. No, uh, read your whole list. Okay. Go for it. TJ
2: Clune, especially House at Cerulean Sea. Um, that is both cozy and fantasy and contemporary and adorable and is just a perfect confection of a book. Um, in terms of contemporary, I really liked the Queers of La Vista series by Chris Ripper. It was like if you had a sort of low, low key soap opera collection of characters, each one getting their own story. I really liked that series. Jeff, you're smiling at me. Did I? Did I pick? Did, <laughs> did I steal one of yours?
4: <laughs> no, you did not steal one of mine. Oh, Okay. <laughs>
2: um, I also think in terms of fantasy. This is a this is a somewhat. Difficult recommendation because in, or this is one of those books where in order to truly appreciate that the, the story, there are other books in the series that add to it. Like you can start with this one when it comes out. Um, but you get so much more if you read the, the series that leads up to it. Nalini Singh's Archangel's Light comes out in, I think, end of October. Um, and that story is queer angels who can destroy you, and also has been building up for
1: many, many books. lots of pining, so so God. much pining.
2: So, I mean, Nalini does t- a couple of things really well. One is world building. Two is leaving breadcrumb trails for a character pairing for like thirty five freaking books, and then you go back to book one, and you're like, oh my, it was here too. What is with you? <laughs> How do you do that? And I've asked her and she's like, I'm not telling you. How? <laughs> it's a secret. Duh. And she's done that before with the um with Heart of Obsidian. She had led up to who is this character searching for? What is the deal with them? Why are they so obsessed with this one character? And who is this missing character that this person is searching for? And then they're together and it's like, oh my God, binding! Oh, it's so good. So she's done that again with Archangel's Light. If <laughs> you really want the full like chest feels impact, you should read the previous books in the series. But yeah, definitely recommend. Did I steal all of yours, Amanda? You
1: took none of mine. <laughs> Mine lead, lean heavily more towards the fantasy romance part of the oh, recommendation. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, So historical fantasy romance, K.J. Charles. Um, on my obviously. list. I skipped it on purpose. Okay. Um, so K.J. has, it was like the Magpie Lord. Is that the one I'm thinking mm-hmm. of? Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the Ali Theron series. The first one is Spellbound. Kind of like a uh, magic Gilded Age New York, uh, a little like Indiana Jones, like magical artifacts, that sort of thing. It's the same couple, I believe, throughout the books. Uh, then you have Best Laid Plaids by L. Stanton. Um, set in 1920s Scotland, uh, there's a disgraced doctor who believes ghosts are real and has since, you know, been made a laughingstock. And then a veteran um, who can see ghosts but doesn't want to admit to it. Kind of shows up on the doctor's doorstep um, to disprove him for his like thesis on delusions. So very angsty. Another one that I'm going to recommend, but it doesn't fit your requirements. But it's just so good. Is the Companion by E. E. Ottoman? Uh, if it's so tender and just all all three characters, it's a poly romance. Um, Historic New York, I think 40s New York. Um, all three characters are trans, kind of like they're isolated a little bit. They're all in like upstate New York. She's um, just so sweet. I highly recommend that one.
2: Tender is the perfect word for that book.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, Outright Fantasy, I would recommend Witchmark by C.L. Polk, a kind of alternate version of in England. There's magic. All three books in this series are queer, but I believe the first book is the only male-male pairing in the trilogy. I would also recommend Silver in the Wood by Emily Tesh, which is a beautiful novella. Grumpy forest god meets, like, charming scholarly inn owner. Um, It's a duology, but they're novellas, so, you know. And then there's another one I'd recommend with a caveat in there. It's, like, it's kind of sad. Uh, and it's more fantasy than romance but it it's i think it's beautiful uh, the sorcerer of the wild deeps by kai ashanti wilson another novella from tor tor does some great queer sci-fi fantasy novellas um some of them have stronger romantic arcs than others but that one is just kind of beautiful a little like bittersweet and and tragic it reminds me of cersei's song of achilles a little bit but more fantasy so those are my recommendations
2: kj charles's audiobooks a whole bunch of them have just been added to audible plus too so if you're an audible subscriber you have access to those and they're wonderful in audio incredibly good narrators
4: i love her will darling adventures Mm. series of like mystery adventure kind of stories just love them to death good historicals too
5: what's on your list Um, For me, I do not partake of fantasy particularly often, meaning never. Um, (laughs) uh, I am uh, more of a contemporary and historical guy. Uh, For contemporary recommendations, I would like to mention the Walker Boys series by Ari McKay. Uh, Jeff and I covered this particular trilogy over the summer during our book club episodes. Um, these books were originally published a couple of years ago and these authors got kind of screwed over by their publisher and they, uh, released them recently. Uh, so I've been kind of trying to get the word out because I just think these books are so damn good. The Mm -hmm. first book are about two heroes who are doing a televised cooking competition. There's Food, food, food. Uh, the second book is about a chef who is helping revitalize a failing resort and the third book is a cruise ship romance. It's utterly delightful, and all three of them lean really heavily on some classic tropes, which I just love to pieces. So, the Walker Boy series by R. A. McKay. Uh, recommend checking those out. And also, something that I will never not recommend to people are the Fairyland romance series by Jackson Knight. Um I don't I think it's a pity that more people do not know about these. They're so charming and so lovely. It's basically a series of workplace romances. It's just that the workplace happens to be a theme park. As you do. Um they're they're utterly adorable. I loved every single one that I've read. Um and what makes these special is not only how good they are, uh is that they're sweet romances which means that there is very low heat, but they are jam-packed with romance. Uh, So I highly recommend the Fairyland Romance series. They're really, really good.
0: Those are so
4: good.
5: We did not cross-check each other's lists (laughs) before we started, so I was excited to hear what he had.
4: Um, I do read a little bit of fantasy, obviously with Uncommon Stars showing up there. Uh, 100% agree on uh, Cerulean Sea from T.J. Clune, and I'll actually add another T.J. Clune to that, which is his most recent book, Under the Whispering Door, which is not a sequel to Cerulean, but is connected in that he has what he calls his kindness trilogy, and Whispering Door is book number two. This book is going to sound like, why would I read that? Because it deals with grief. At the beginning, Wallace dies. He is a horrible man, an attorney who's driven by work. He's taken away to this tea shop that serves as like the way, the, the, like the way station before you pass on to whatever's next. Uh, but it's really amazing and how he looks back on his life and thinks about the person he was and the per- and he it starts to see the person who he could have been and can still be. Super sweet romance with the man who is the tea shop owner, but is also like the ferryman who will guide him on. It's just the most beautiful book i mean i really people who listen to our show know that i'll sing tj's praises at any opportunity because he's such a master storyteller and this one just moves him to the next level i think so and especially if you like shows like the good place and how it looked at the afterlife especially once you're out of that first season when you know what was going on in the first season and the things they did in two three and four to not spoil it for anybody that is Reminds me a lot of what he does here. Just blew me away where I was was a major book hangover after that. (laughs) Back on the contemporary side of things. One of my very favorite things this year has been the nerds versus jocks trilogy from Tara Lane and Eli Easton new, new adult. So this, these books take place with people who are college seniors. Uh, The first three books are a really tight trilogy. You've got this, Two frat houses, two competing frat houses across the street from each other. Finally, there's one prank that goes way wrong and almost burns down one of the houses. Um, And the dean's like, I've had enough. You two either need, you two houses need to get along or I'm going to disband you. And what he mandates is that two of the nerds have to go play flag football with the jocks towards their big championship flag football event. And two of the jocks have to go to the nerd house and participate in quiz bowl.
2: Oh, snap.
4: (laughs) Which, I mean, this all sounds super cute, but Tara and Eli have managed to make this series so heartfelt and so at its core, it's about not just assuming that you know who the other person is. You can't just apply nerd stereotypes and cliches and jock stereotypes and cliches. These are all fully fleshed out, people who've got troubles, people who have baggage, people who are dealing with issues with family, and the way that each romance of these books come together, because at each turn, you've got the nerd of the jock coming together, figuring out how to work together, but then finding out, wow, this guy is everything and will be my forever guy.
5: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
4: The first book, which is called Schooling the Jock, I cried in this book. I mean, I'm a crier anyway. <clears throat> but some of the things that were in there with what was going on with various families and stuff was just like, oh. And how these, these guys related to each other and their families its just all so super sweet and plays into that. Again, nice guys doing nice things. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. And the last one I'll mention, uh, we share a title here, Amanda, with Best Laid Plans. <laughs> 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 Although mine's by Roan Parrish. Uh, Mine is her- Best
1: Laid Plads because oh, it's plaids. in Scotland. <laughs>
4: plans. That's an important designation, plaids <laughs> yes. versus plans best laid plans by roan parish it's the second in her garnet run series which is just this really nice small town set romance garnet runs this fictitious town in wyoming uh this particular book has this young man who has is leaving seattle because he's inherited a house from a grandfather he didn't know and he's like thank god i'll move here i'll have a place to live so i'm not couch surfing he shows up to like a house that probably HGTV wouldn't even touch to, to like try to flip. <laughs> but he's like, I have this, I've got to live here and I've got to make this work. So it's a little hilarious, him trying to deal with this house on his own. But he keeps running into the hardware store owner who is like, can I help you? Can I help you? What are you trying to do? Can I help you? <laughs> Finally, he takes the help and these two manage to put aside baggage and put aside var- it's about like being able to trust somebody and knows that he can have a home. And then for Charlie who always looks out for everybody else, how to like let himself have a little something. And in Roan's hands, these stories, the way she brings people together are so good. Um, she's just released the third book in the series, which is an important book, a historic book, uh, the lights on Knotbridge lane, which is a Christmas romance, which is super sweet. And Oh my God, so good. Uh, but it's historic in the fact that it's the first time an MM romance has been in a Harlequin series line.
1: Yes.
2: That's right. Because it's, yes.
4: part, of, it's part of special edition. So it jumped from being a Karina series over to Harlequin. Yep. Uh, which is super good. So everybody needs to go pick up that book. Because first of all, it's good. It's actually our our November book club selection. Um, but so good. Mm. I
1: also remember one more Mammal fantasy romance, uh, Prince of Air and Darkness by M.A. Grant. It's kind of new adult. Um, One of the main characters, Phineas, is like the only human at this magical university. Um, And people are like, what the hell is he doing here? And his roommate is a fae prince named Rourke.
2: As you do. Um,
1: As you do. Um, And it becomes revealed like why... Finn, this human, is at this magical university, and he becomes, like, a pawn, essentially, in the war between, like, the the sealy and unsealy Fey courts, and the only person who can kind of help him navigate this sort of, like, political um, power struggle is his roommate, the prince. So there's this kind of begrudging uh, partnership, and kind of like enemies to lovers and then they become like friends and I'd also recommend that series it's more like new adult um but if you like kind of like a magical university forced proximity setting that's also an option.
2: Anne asked is male male romance mostly read by women does the gender gender identity of the author change this and for Jeff and Will Are you more likely to laugh or roll your eyes at the sex scenes in male-male romances than to find them hot? Which I think is a hilarious question, (laughs) and it never occurred to me to ask, and I am completely excited about this. And then Ruth coming in with the question, I've been wondering if straight women writing male-male romance is a form of appropriation. So, you know, no big deal. No, low stakes, super, (laughs) super low impact questions. I don't have any active uh, statistics on who reads male male romance, and I don't think. I mean, I don't know. It's, if it's
1: anecdotal. Called. I feel like it's anecdotal. Yeah, but what we see,
2: I don't have. I don't know of any statistics that formally track that. So anything that I am c- conceiving of is mostly going to be anecdotal, based on my own observations. Right. Mm-hmm. My feeling on appropriation is generally to be clear. I don't know. I don't know the answer. And to be clear, I don't ever want to be in the position of saying who can and can write something. That is not my job, and I don't want that job. Um, But reconciling my own feelings as a reader is something that sometimes takes a little work. Now, I'm going to shut up because I want to hear what
5: you have to say. (laughs) I think for Jeff and myself, um, I can sum it up as we want all writers to be able to tell all the stories and write all of the books. That's what we want. and That's what we enjoy. And that's sort of what we celebrate on our podcast. Um, Jeff and I (laughs) have been fans of the genre. We've been reading and talking about and advocating for this particular subgenre for over a decade now. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, we've seen it all. (laughs) We've been there. We've done that. uh, And this question about women writing gay romance uh, comes up every so often. I think there um, are people who ask a variation of this question, and they are genuinely interested. They have concern about underrepresented communities, and that's why they're asking that question. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important question to ask. Who has the right to tell whose story? And when we don't ask that question often enough, you get situations like uh, American Dirt,
4: where people
5: on one hand, celebrate this book. And it's amazing. And it's transformational. But there's another group of people saying, wait, hold up. This white author has told uh, a story about a marginalized community. And they're engaging in harmful stereotypes while doing so. Um. So while I do believe in my heart of hearts that all authors should be able to tell whatever story they want. That doesn't mean that they are free of uh, critique when they screw something up. Mm-hmm.
2: I feel that so, way about a lot of historical Holocaust mm-hmm. fiction. Like, I would exactly. really like to stop redeeming Nazis. Stop now. But <laughs> I'm not in charge and I don't want to be in charge.
4: Right, right. Yeah. The thing I would add to what he said is I don't want to see somebody frankly, who's outside of any marginalized community, trying to write about the struggle that that community faces because they don't live it, Mm
5: -hmm.
4: or relying on stereotypes on how somebody in the LGBTQ community might be acting or rely on cliches. Mm -hmm. You can tell the story of two men in love, two women in love, two trans people in love, two people in love, without having to bring any of that in. And just focusing on two people coming together Finding their harmony in doing that, mm-hmm. um, and so I think if you start to move into some of those other areas where you don't have the lived experience, you need to rely on people who have on sensitivity readers, or accept the critique that you may get for doing it, you know, "quote unquote" wrong. Mm-hmm.
2: I love that readers are asking themselves these questions. I mean, Amanda and I field probably what would you say ten email messages a month easily of. I am looking to diversify what I read, and it's harder for me to go past this list of authors that I see all the time I want to keep going because the fact is this is a very white cisgendered heteronormative industry, and that's where mm-hmm. the money is full stop like mainstream publishers are just now publishing queer stuff just now there's a queer harlequin it is it is both a a landmark and it is an astonishing landmark like just now,
4: yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a couple of books for the show notes. Well, a couple of things for the show notes.
2: Yes, please.
4: So there's a book written uh a while ago now, but I think it, it's content is still good called Why Straight Women Love Gay Romance. I think
0: I've because heard that it is the predominant before readership. I can't you remember right where
4: And this book was written uh by Jeffrey Knight. Uh still available on Amazon. There's also a documentary, a documentary. Where did that print <laughs>
1: That was awesome. a documentary. You're reaching Thank your you. word quota.
4: <laughs> There's a documentary called What Women Want Gay Romance. And it was actually shot at Gay Romlet 2019 uh, by Charlie David, uh, who is a gay documentarian who lives up in Canada. Uh, does a lot of work around you know queer subjects. And so really looked at that point of view through the people who were attending the conference that year, authors and readers. And that documentary uh in other it's on Amazon Prime and a few other places, but Prime's the best place to find it. And so, you know, people from from those two sources can get a little bit more detail and insight. So it's not just coming from us, um, mm-hmm. in that case, because we're we're only two people. Uh, um I'll answer the other piece of Anne's question about sex scenes. Yes, please. (laughs) Because I know you were waiting on that.
2: You know I was. Um, I'm not even going to lie. Yes.
4: (laughs) I wasn't going to let you not answer either. I can't remember the last time I read a sex scene. I was like, hmm, I don't know that that was quite right. Or, oh, that's laughably (laughs) wrong or something. What I will say about sex scenes is that if you're giving me a sex scene that doesn't drive the plot forward really well, I'm probably skipping it. To get back to the story, if you're just throwing it in there. I'm probably like, I don't see emotional happenings here. Yeah, it's nice sex. Page, 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 page. Back to back the plot. Back to the action. And no, no, back to the plot. Yeah, <laughs> now back to the plot.
2: Because the number of <laughs> heterosexual scenes that I have read that are completely banana crackers is uncountable at this time. Sex in a pond, sex on horseback, algae in places you don't want it to go. I mean, we, we have had many conversations about historical romances. We're like, do you remember that one book where they had sex on a horse? And we're like, which one of 90?
1: That one or like a carriage scene. It's always a – no, a car. I think the most requested happos have like a carriage sex scene. Pearls. Uh, maybe- What's with the pearls? Oh, and pearls. pearls. We've had like four – like, he gives her a, a pearl necklace, and then the necklace is used for An other actual pearl activities. necklace. A
2: ne- necklace that is made of oysters, not the other mm-hmm. thing, to be clear here. Sorry. Oh, my. But
1: then there's always a sexual component with the said pearl necklace. Oh, well, obs, There must be 50 of them. And it, it transcends genres. Oh. I feel like we've had a historical, we've Fantasy. had like a romantic suspense, mm-hmm. and
5: we've had yep. some very common thing. <laughs> I... For me, as a uh, cisgendered white man, um, I don't necessarily, since we're talking about lived experiences, I probably don't uh, approach gay romance in the same way as uh, someone who identifies as female or Mm -hmm. identifies as straight. So um, we're probably coming at it from slightly different different directions from an experience standpoint. Yeah. But I think as readers, we're all approaching it in the exact same way. We want a a lovely, emotionally engaging story. Yeah. And that's of course universal, no matter what book we're talking about.
4: And I think, you know, for me, one of the things I like seeing, especially in my early days of reading gay romance was seeing somebody who got there happily ever after. I mean, especially as I was, you know, getting on the trajectory towards my own happily ever after with this one over here. Mm. Um, It's important to see yourself in books, especially in whatever marginalized community that you might belong to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, as, you know, one single gay man out in the world. I'm happy, whoever wants to tell those stories that I could see myself in, whether they're written by a man or a woman or, or, you know, whoever, as long as they, you know, bring those people together in a happily ever after that I could look at and go, I understand how that came together.
2: Mm -hmm. So basically, we don't know the answer. But I don't think anyone. There is no answer. There is no answer. I don't think it's. I don't think it's possible for us to for, to like identify and codify and come up with like a, a specific like if this then that yes oh, if yeah. this then that no like we don't have that kind of power but I absolutely like I said I love that more readers than just me you know starting my website seventeen years ago are asking. Why did this work? Why do I like this? What can I find that's like this? What what am I reading, and why am I reading it? Where it, it, it's like we're, now we're all aware of the supply chain because it's screwing everything up. We're all aware of a lot of the supply chain of how we ended up thinking the way we do, and how we might want to undo that thinking. And part of that is questioning. Wait, why is this the thing that I am most often presented to read, and how come I like this better? What is what is this doing for me that that doesn't, and what does that mean, and why do why is that my thing? Those are all really powerful questions to ask. So I'm. I'm sure that that's not the answer, um, but I don't know the answer.
4: (laughs) Well, I think that's the thing. I don't think anybody has the answer.
2: No, there's people that think they do, but I don't like having them on podcasts. (laughs) 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 Unless we're talking about math, in which case I'm aware that there is usually one answer, and that's why I'm not good at it. We have hit just about every question except one more, which is all about y'all. You have had you're about to celebrate your sixth birthday as a podcast. What are the things that you love most about podcasting? And please tell me about this thing that you are planning because I want to hear about it.
4: I love week in and week out figuring out the podcast with Will. The moments where we just sit down, whether it's sitting over a meal or hanging out in one of our offices, who do we want to have on the show? What books are we going to do for book club? What are we getting ready to do for our bonus episodes for our Patreon community, whatever that is? It's so enjoyable to be in the creative thing after six years with him uh, and figuring out what this show is week in and week out. Um, it's just been a delight.
3: So, uh, workflow
2: is your love language.
4: <laughs> sometimes, yes, that's part of it.
2: Will is cracking <laughs> up. I totally identified it here.
4: <laughs> um. And it's also been fun just to navigate the slight changes over the years. You know, what do we want to do? How do we want to make it different and fresh for us? Mm -hmm. How do we make it sustainable for us? You know, we were talking, all of us were talking as we came, as we got ready to push the record button that, you know, Sarah, you've been in this for 10 years and have only taken one week off.
2: Yeah, I got to work on that. (laughs) We've
4: been in it for six we haven't had any a week off. We try to structure times where we stack things up so they can kind of autopilot for a minute, and then you know go from there. And you just look for better, better, easier, more efficient ways to create the content at the high quality that you you want to create it in. Yeah. Um, but
2: at the end of the day, but I love having you're you know, still talking about the things you love with the person you love, which is super great.
4: Yeah, because yeah. he's also involved in the in helping to figure out the systems and stuff. I mean, even when it comes to the more technical stuff that I do, he's comes up with this. Are you sure this is the best way? I know you're doing a lot of time here. Could you maybe do it this way or another way or whatever? So even in the areas where he's not, you know, the one doing it, he still tries to help keep my sanity in check.
5: (laughs) So, yeah, I think aside from the creativity that comes from creating content every week. Um, I also just like being able to talk about the books and the stories that we both love. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, not that there haven't been like uh, rough patches uh, when it comes to the show, especially frankly, in the last two years. Um, sometimes you just look at what's going on in the world and it's like, what is the point? Mm-hmm. why why what difference does my stupid little show make? <laughs> Um, and whenever I you know personally uh sort of tussle with those questions, uh I always come back to the reason that I'm doing this uh it's because you know small pleasures are still worthwhile, and um I think it's still worth doing, yeah even after all this time,
0: yeah um,
5: and there's um no end point, really.
4: We got a super sweet letter this past week from somebody who had just celebrated their first year of listening to the show, which had brought them to their own journey of embracing their bisexuality and finding these books and finding community. It's like, well, that's the perfect reason to be doing the show, to be somebody's beacon of light, even if it's just one person to be that for them. Mm -hmm. You can't ask for more than that.
2: If you had had a podcast like yours when you were growing up, would your lives have been a little different?
5: I representation matters so much. Oh yeah. Um, when I was growing up there, technically there was, but I sure as hell didn't know how to search it out Mm -hmm. in my small little backwoods, California town that I grew up in. Yeah. Um, so the availability of queer content and, uh, critique of that content, kind of like what we're doing, yeah. um, it is valuable and it is important and it does have meaning.
4: Yeah. I don't even know what it would have been like to have had a show like this. I mean, I'm four and a half years older than he is. And I grew up like my middle school, high school, college years were all in Alabama. And I was distinctly not out then, even to myself, really. So, you know, what would a, a little light like this poking in been then? I can't even imagine, you know, because if I think about the queer content that existed at all, you know, maybe it was watching some Madonna videos you know, back in the day. Yeah. Um, and that's about it because otherwise, you know, it was still in the very much kill your gaze kind of phase and, you know, the height of the AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. was you know you know I graduated high school in 86 graduated college in 91 so you're right there in that
2: yeah
4: you know one of the things that struck me the most in the last year watching the f- the the finale season of pose is that one of the characters from season 1 uh Damon I figured out when I was rewatching getting ready for the finale that I was the same age as him at that in those same years mhm and, you know, profoundly different experiences, what we were both going through. Um, I had no idea that that was even happening in New York at the time. And I was of an age where I could have known about that. Um, but I can't imagine what a podcast peeking in
5: at that point could have done. So in in the spirit of keeping things fresh after six years, we wanted to quickly mention that we are trying something brand new Uh, for the very first time, we are going to be holding an event. Yes. Uh, We are calling it big gay fiction fest. And essentially it is an online conference and we're going to be talking to authors about their Christmas books. Um, the event's going to be happening, uh, the first weekend in no in December, and, uh, we're really looking forward to it, uh, like I like Sarah just mentioned you know planning is a bit of our love language, so <laughs> yeah. we're we're in we're in deep at the moment uh and really enjoying coming up with um different guests and different kind of panels and uh different discussions, and you know what books um so many as well, i mean you I don't need to tell you Christmas books or <laughs> everything, um so yeah, it's a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to. Uh, engaging with our audience in this new way. So, yeah, we're really excited about the fest.
4: We'll make sure you've got a link uh, for sign up that you can throw into your show notes. Oh,
2: please. I will. We, Amanda does our links post. We will link the heckin' out of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of this week's episode. We talked about a lot of books in this one, but never fear. I will have links to all of the books that we mentioned, and I will absolutely have links to yesterday's episode where we started this conversation and to the big gay fiction fest and a special congratulations to jeff and will on their sixth anniversary as podcasters way to go y'all this podcast episode is brought to you by ritual a vegan friendly multivitamin delivered to your door that's formulated with high quality nutrients and bioavailable forms that your body can actually use Many people age 19 through 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet, and some are not getting the recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 and up. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. Ritual also invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. I like knowing all the steps behind my vitamins, and I love the ease. My multivitamins are delivered to my door every month with free shipping, and I can start, snooze, or cancel my subscription at any time. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit Ritual.com slash Sarah and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at Ritual.com slash Sarah. Coming up next week, I'll be recapping Lori's song by Suzanne Rand. And listen to the tagline for this. Is she being used or is she being loved? This is going to be a little bit in the intense side. Ooh, angst. So join me next week for Lori's song. It is a lot of fun. As always, I end with a terrible joke. This week's terrible joke comes from Reddit because it's a wonderful bad math joke and I love it. Why was four unable to ask out five? Why was four unable to ask out five? Because four is too squared. (laughs) Too scared. I like this one because when I told it to my younger child, I received a very long and disgusted groan, which is the real bar of how good a bad joke is, right? On behalf of everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.